Greetings, friends. It's Monday, November 20th. And you know what that means. It's happy birthday, Joe Biden. We're doing, a, we're doing a special birthday episode for Joe Biden. And, you know, if you're like me, listener, you're probably wondering, what's wrong with Joe Biden? I mean, aside from the obvious. Well, for today's episode, we look to, the, look to his home state, the often overlooked state of Delaware. And to join us to discuss Biden, the Democratic Party, and the state of Delaware, we are pleased to welcome Representative Medina Wilson-Anton from Delaware. Medina, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I got to say, I am a longtime listener, and so I'm so excited to be joining you guys today on our president's birthday. This is the real president's day, President Joe Biden day. But uh, Medina, I mean, like, first things first, um, you're a state representative um, in the Delaware state government. You are in the Democratic Party. You've come out in favor of a ceasefire right now. Um, I just my first question is, what are you hearing from your constituents about this issue? And also, crucially, what are you hearing from the state Democratic Party that uh, you're a member of? Uh, great question. So I'll start with the second one. Um, the answer to that is nothing. The state Democratic Party has said nothing. Most folks in office in Delaware have said nothing. Um, I'm in the minority of folks who have actually come out and said, you know, we're in support of a ceasefire. Um, on October 8th, 9th, there were quite a few folks that were doing the stand with Israel kind of, you know, thing. And then as far as what my constituents are saying, I'm, I'm getting a lot of folks reaching out to me on Instagram, on Twitter, thanking me for being so vocal about the issue, thanking me for being one of the few voices that's actually saying anything, um, and representing them. And then I also am getting, of course, my favorite, the trolls, uh, the folks that never voted for me and will never vote for me who were like, I can't believe that my neighbors are so stupid that they voted for you, but you're going to you're going to burn in hell. And so that's that's where I'm getting my satisfaction kind of thing. And I'm like, all right, you know, and they kind of pop up. They tend to pop up around uh, after the local right wing station talks about me and then they kind of like come out of the woodwork and then they go away. So <laughs> yeah, D- Delaware is a uh, finest AM radio. <laughs> But uh, Medina, I, I guess like, I mean, you know, we, we've been talking about the show on our most recent episode about this kind of the huge generational split um, on this issue in the Democratic Party. And I'm just wondering, like, what, what your perspective is on that. And like when you talk to older Democrats or people who aren't doing or saying anything about this, like, I mean, did, did they respond to you? Like, what, what is the what are you trying to communicate about how badly they're screwing up this issue? Oh, I mean, I think what's really frustrating is I'm not just seeing the generational divide. I'm seeing like most Democrats of all ages that I talk to are supportive of a ceasefire at the very minimum, right? Like that's not even a conversation with most of them. Um, and it's mostly like very entrenched establishment type people that are not my voters, but that are other folks in office or political advisors in air quotes. Um, people that think they know the issues that are saying like, oh, well, no, ceasefire, actually, we had a ceasefire on October 6th, right? Like, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of that kind of garbage. I've been hearing quite folks. a bit of that. I've been hearing <laughs> quite a bit of that line myself, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I've seen that line um, just deployed, like, whenever, like, where it doesn't even make sense. I saw someone use it to try to justify why Israeli helicopters accidentally, like, uh, killed a bunch of Israelis on October 7th. They said, well, they may have been confused because there was a ceasefire up until that day. 
Yeah. So I guess they're just busting it out for like anything now. I mean, I had res- I had someone respond to me. There was a ceasefire on October 6th when I just posted a screenshot showing Reuters polling on uh, the weight of public opinion on this issue. But, Dina, like obviously, like Joe Biden is the focus because uh, he's the leader of the Democratic Party and he is really like the face of U.S. policy on this issue right now. And he is like. I think a guy throughout his entire career that has been like one of Israel's biggest supporters in his 50 years in U.S. government. But like, I guess just like from your perspective as a Delaware resident, what is it about the state of Delaware? I mean, Biden himself has said, you know, my, my when I die, Delaware will be written on my heart. What, 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 a could, famously could plagiarized line, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> who Who said that first? I think a poet or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not well read, <laughs> clearly. Um, but I do know the plagiarism checker is going off the charts there. Um, so people, I think Delaware is, Delaware is a really weird place. I love it. It's where I'm from. But I will say just last week, Joe Biden's hometown of Wilmington, the largest town in our state, uh, city, sorry, their city council voted to support a ceasefire. And they actually passed a resolution calling on our congressional delegation and on Biden to support um, Representative Bush and Tlaib's bill in Congress. So, I mean, I just don't think that our leadership is representative of the people. And I know that sounds corny, probably, but like I'm not talking to regular Democrats that are Zionists that are saying things like Joe Biden, like if there wasn't an Israel, we'd have to create an Israel. Like that's <laughs> that's that's a very outdated, you know, calcified kind of way of thinking about the issue. And I'm seeing Young people, old people, people of all colors and backgrounds show up to protest and actions locally, and they're really frustrated that we feel like our voices are not being heard by our by our leadership. So, I mean, I guess like when you, when you're considering a situation in which like the the overwhelming weight of the democratic will in a party is on one side, and then the leadership of the party is telling you why that can't happen and they're not going to do it. I mean, like yeah, it sets up a little bit of a I don't know, it's sort of a a precarious balancing act for a purportedly democratic nation uh, or, or at least one that purports to defend and represent democratic values. But the state of Delaware in particular is almost a state like created from its inception to thwart democracy. <laughs> it's just like there's I mean, like there's a lot of like, I mean, whether it, I mean, there's a lot of ways to think about Delaware. Like one, it's like a giant tax haven. Two, it's sort of like the personal fiefdom of the psychopathic DuPont family. And then, and then there's also the home of Joe Biden. But like your experience, like, I mean, I guess like for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with you, because you talk about like, I mean, what, what was it like growing up in Delaware and how you got involved in the Delaware uh, political scene? Sure. So I was born and raised here to transplants. Um, Delaware is the kind of place where people are like, where are you from? If you're not, if you weren't born here, you're not really from here kind of thing. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely a Delawarean. Um, my dad worked for DuPont. Like many people, you know, that I grew up with, their one of their parents worked for DuPont. Someone in their family worked for DuPont. Um, I live off of DuPont Highway, right? Like DuPont is kind of through and through Delaware. And, you know, I got into politics. Um, I was always kind of interested in international affairs, growing up Muslim in a very diverse Muslim community here. I learned about foreign policy um, through my classmates and their families and the U.S.'s role. And so my goal kind of going to school was I want to go work for the UN, you know, very depressing now thinking about the UN. But um, that was my dream as a kid. And um, I was looking for an internship. And the only paid internship in town was working in our state's General Assembly. <laughs> so I threw my hat in the ring and got an internship there. 
And the rest was kind of history. I was really like inspired by how much you can do at the state level in Delaware. But I also, it's like this, <laughs> this balance between being inspired and being supremely depressed and disgusted. <laughs> um, I, I was elected in 2020. And at the time I was the youngest member at 26 and I was the first Muslim ever elected to a body that's historically been very white, very male, um, and only recently it's becoming more female, more, you know, people of color. Um, but you see a lot of that. Like you see a lot of, you know, not so much the DuPonts anymore, but kind of the new guard of lobbyists that represent corporations that are headquartered here. Um, I've been really, I'll use the word disgusted again, <laughs> at a lot of ways things are done. And I, I think we're probably going to talk some about corporate laws here in Delaware, but like I recently had an interaction with that as a legislator and it's just like really frustrating. And I think one of the things that's important to me is kind of bringing light to Delaware's role in corporate transparency, um, bringing light to that to like a national audience, international audience, because laws that we have in Delaware that govern corporations impact people worldwide. Um, One of my like radicalizing moments, I'll say, um, was when I was an intern this delegation came from the European Union and they were on the fact-finding mission after the Panama Papers and the Pandora Papers and they wanted to know like why we were allowing all of these nefarious actors to incorporate here and not do anything about what they were up to. And <laughs> I'm sitting in there, I'm just taking notes, right? I'm just like observing. And a senator and a representative we're like, oh, welcome to Delaware. Have you had a chance to see our beaches, our beautiful beaches? And they were like, no, we are not here for for tourism. We are here because you are funding nefarious actors uh, across the world. And and I, and I just was like, oh my god, this is so embarrassing. Like I was supremely embarrassed. And they they start asking questions, right? Like they it was like people from all over Europe, all different accents, right? And they're like. Why have you chosen not to, you know, ask for more information when LLCs are formed and things like that? And and one of the representatives who was a Democrat, by the way, is like, well, we have an aging population and we wouldn't we don't want to tax our, our senior citizens. So we have to fund our government somehow. <laughs> well, were these were these this like one of our progressives? <laughs> That's that's amazing. I've never heard that excuse before. Were were these like uh like Interpol people who were coming in? What was the title of it? It was a special uh mission or some kind of like they set up this group. Um the EU set up the group and I tried to like contact one of the people through LinkedIn and they never responded. But <laughs> but like I have like <laughs> I have info on it. If you want to track them down, they might answer you guys. But it was really embarrassing. I think they disbanded after like some time, but yeah, I just was like, wow, this is like, you know, like when you cringe with your whole body kind of, and like try to disappear into your chair. Yeah. (laughs) As like, you know, like a dozen of the angriest Dutch people uh, aren't, aren't placated by Rehoboth beach. Yeah. They were not interested in tourism. How did they respond to like the um the elder the elderly population line? Honestly, I don't remember. Um I could make it up, but <laughs> I just remember I really remember like that first question. 
the answer being so embarrassing. And then like I was in a group chat with other interns and I was just kind of like live streaming it to them. Like, guys, this is, come to the Senate hearing room. Like, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> and like I at the time, I thought I was still trying to go like international, like with work and stuff. And I was like, well, this is not a great look for me for networking after this. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it, it gets you off on a, you know, not the, the greatest foot. going to going to the un and being like oh uh you guys might remember me from (laughs) yeah during your guys's worst work trip ever if i was smart i could have like gone over them to them afterwards and been like hey uh everything that guy said uh i don't agree with that (laughs) got any any jobs (laughs) Well, I mean, it's a, the reason that the, the Europeans were at this meeting and, and, and the really the reason for Delaware and the reason for Joe Biden lies in the legal formulation known as the Limited Liability Corporation. And the thing is, like, why is Joe Biden like the leader of the Democratic Party? How has he been in government for 50 years as like one of the leading Democrats? Is it that he represents the voters of the state of Delaware or does he represent the many LLCs chartered in Delaware? Oh, is that actually? I mean, I, I, it's, I, I mean, a rhetorical. I don't know, but <laughs> I mean, I think it's definitely a big part of his success is the business uh, community, pra- you know, propping him up. I also will say, as someone who is only recently, um, you know, leaving the stages of grief over my relationship with our president, right? Like, I think most Delawareans are really proud to have a president from Delaware finally. Right. And like, he is a very charismatic person. I know that's crazy to say because you only see him as like sleepy in the international space, but like he is actually like pretty easy to talk to down to earth. Very good at taking selfies. Very good at that. Um, so, I mean, I think he, he definitely has been successful for some of that reason, but the LLCs, the, the corporations, I mean, the banks like that, that's kind of like the new DuPont I'll say here um, are definitely a big part of his success. <laughs> Do you want to talk yeah, more about? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> he um he seems to like yeah really be in deep with both banks and insurance. And um, I mean he's he's a very interesting political figure because like you talked about his charisma, and it's true. Like one of the reasons that like his posture during the twenty twenty primary was so like alarming is because. The entire time that Biden has been, um, a, you know, a national figure, he's the last like national retail politician, at least in conduct. He's uh, he presents himself, you know, in this way that, you know, really doesn't exist anymore. But at the same time, he is very much the style of Democrat that has existed since Carter where they're doing things like making it nearly impossible to declare bankruptcy and, uh, you know, mostly delivering things for uh, the financial and insurance lobbies. Yeah, I think he's a very good example of someone who does both. So (laughs) another (laughs) terrible part of my uh, career I'll share is I worked for the Biden Institute for a few years, um, which was like, supposed to be a policy think tank set up after he left the vice presidency, but actually was more of like a vanity project. Surprise, surprise. And when I arrived there, I was still kind of like, I was excited. I thought, you know, Biden, middle-class Joe, all that kind of stuff. Right. And was excited to do some policy work. One of the first meetings I went to beforehand, he had all of the staff read dream hoarders, 
uh, Dream by Richard Hoarders. Reeves. Yeah. Um, I'm with it, was that. Like, it was popular, like, this is probably four or five years ago now. Um, popular book about, like, the upper upper middle class kind of um, hoarding opportunity, you know, legacy admissions in colleges, like that kind of stuff, right? He read it. I don't know who gave it to him, but he read it and was like, this is the best book ever. I want everyone on my staff to read this. I had already owned the book and I was already like interested in it. So I was like, this is so cool. He actually cares about the middle class and like wants to do something about this. And I get to work the next day after I finished reading it. And my my coworkers were all pissed that he made us read it. And they're like, <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, I worked really hard. Yeah, my, my mom may have got me an internship at the law firm, but like I worked really <laughs> hard to get into college. <laughs> um and and like I worked and, very like, hard to hoard these dreams. <laughs> right. I was just like, oh my God, I'm surrounded by the dream hoarders. And but what was really shocking to me was his people around him are not middle class. Like he still has that kind of like he he sees himself, right, as middle class Joe and he cares about the working class. And like at one point in this meeting where I'm taking notes and like not sharing, right? Um, he starts talking about uh the college savings plans that can save you money your tax money right i forget what it's like five, five something b or whatever and he's like who even has these like what kind of rich people are these who have these plans that save their money and they're not paying taxes so they can send their kids to college and afterwards at dinner one of his like top advisors was like i have one of those plans i don't know what he's talking about everybody knows <laughs> has one of those plans <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's like, oh man, like I don't, I don't think he realizes just how terrible everyone around him is, which is both endearing and terrifying at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's like politics now is, you know, exactly like media in the sense that, like, um, you know, there are people who come from like working class backgrounds here and there, but for the most part, it's pretty strictly limited to people who can withstand making no money for like decades at a time. So it's like, who do you, you know, who do you think you're going to get in those positions? Yeah. Like my, I, my boss who, uh, <laughs> they used to brag about and be like, Oh yeah, she worked for us and she put herself through law school at the same time. And like all of us young folks are like, cause she wasn't doing anything for you guys. Clearly like <laughs> law school is not something you just like yeah. do on the way to work. <laughs> <laughs> but I, that is interesting to me that he genuinely sees himself as like the slayer of neoliberalism. Like, like, do you think he, um, I don't know, like thinks about any, uh, any of the things he did in previous decades, like the bankruptcy bill or anything? I don't know. Like I've, I've never, I've, I had like one real interaction with him where I was like, can I help you with that, sir? And he was like, no, I'm good. And like, he made his own coffee. Like I, I didn't, I've never really had a conversation with him. That's how much I was groveling. I was like, sir, I can get that Keurig for you. Um, yeah, not my final moment. (laughs) Um, and then like I'm left and I'm like, he's so normal. He made his own coffee. (laughs) What a guy. But um, no, like so, I can't say what he thinks about those things. I think, I think he probably is capable of having a conversation about it. I just don't think anyone around him challenges him on things like that. Unfortunately, what I will say, this is just my personal opinion. I don't think he lies. Like I don't think he's making up these like things on purpose. When he's like, "Oh yeah, I was there at Ground Zero like the day that it happened. Like I was there like ten minutes after." Like I don't think he does that on purpose. I think he's just like 
superhuman, empathetic, I call it wishbone syndrome, where like he reads a story and then he becomes the character in the story he, and he right. can't parse out <laughs> what what was his memory and what was the story he read kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> what cleaned up story, cleaned up, Biden? I, you know. I cleaned up Chicago with a Jack Mim Elliot Ness. <laughs> I mean, I I feel like he hasn't ever read anything about like the transatlantic slave trade because I feel like if he did, he would be convinced he was a slave. <laughs> someone, <laughs> someone, well, someone oh my, screen I, Amistad for him. <laughs> We 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 just solved like his biggest problem. Like um, we just have to get him a book by George Habash, and he'll be like, "I was, I I was there when they founded PFLP." <laughs> I was just gonna a. say, I was just gonna say, get him, uh, get him the Bosch books by uh, Michael Connolly. I know you mentioned <laughs> the Biden Institute. I was just wondering, like, the Biden Presidential Libraries. I mean, that's got to be in Delaware, right? I mean, did they already have a like a ground set for that? Or I'm just wondering what the Biden presidential library is going to feature. Uh, oh, dream dream hoarders great. for one, dream hoarders for one, and then all of the Lee Child, Jack Reacher novels, and and let's throw in the Bosch series as well. I thought the dream <laughs> dream ho- I thought the dream hoarders when you first brought it up. I thought it was like a YA book. <laughs> I thought he was like making everyone read like a Hunger Games type book. <laughs> And it's like that's that's a strange choice. That would be. I probably would still work there if he had done that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, there was definitely talk about the presidential library um, before he was even elected, um, which I thought was a little uncouth. But um, it'll probably be here in Delaware if there's space anywhere. As far as what would be featured, um, some of our whenever our guests would come and do lectures, they would bring books with them if they had written a book. The Education of an Idealist by Samantha Power. <laughs> I'm sure that would. Oh, God. Yeah, a, I was a library, like a library that. from hell. It only features Samantha Power books. <laughs> I was reading it, like prepping for one of the events, and then I was listening to you guys talk about how terrible she was, and I was like, "Oh my God! How come every person we bring here is like on the Chapo list of worst people ever?" <laughs> <laughs> Dina, I want to get back to the uh, Delaware and the LLC and like banking yes. laws and just what, yes. what the special sauce that makes Delaware cook and really is the reason it's a state and not just part of New Jersey. But like, so in terms of like, could you, what, what makes, I mean, we talked about this before, but like, just a refresher course on like what makes Delaware like the destination state to charter a corporation in America? Yeah. So the Court of Chancery, which is this like weird. There it is again, folks. The Court of Chancery. (laughs) I don't know how much your listeners know about it. I'm no expert. Um, I mean, it's a court that dates back to the colonial period. Like it it predates America as a as a legal body. Yeah. So when we say Delaware is the first state, we really mean it, guys. Um, But yeah, so it's this special court. Um, It actually had a role in like the desegregation of schools and stuff like it's it's this weird setup. And the real thing that brings people here is the fact that it's been around so long. There's a lot of precedent um, on how cases are going to be argued or whatever 
the word is the, the judicial word, but like they're, they know what they're getting into basically. Right. Um, and so a lot of corporations will, will incorporate here so that if there's an issue and there of course will be some kind of legal issue, it'll be tried here in the Delaware court of chancery, which is kind of this known entity. But what I kind of was introduced to more recently as a legislator is the role of the uh, corporate law council, which is this, you know, I don't want to say creepy, but I kind of already said it. So um, creepy in the in the off-putting, yeah, off-putting anti-democratic um, institution where you have a bunch of lawyers who are corporate lawyers that are they elect a, a chair or whatever and a vice chair, and they are the ones who amend the Delaware corporate law every year. So every year there's a super thick bill that most of us if we even read it, couldn't understand it. And they basically hand us the bill and then we just are supposed to sign off on it and vote for it and make whatever changes they deem should be made without any question. And this year, <laughs> there was a change in there to basically dilute ownership of stockholders in response to the whole GameStop thing, which of course they never mentioned. <laughs> and they were like, oh no, it has nothing to do with that. But like that was one of the changes. And so I worked with Chance Suri Daily. Chance is like this um, local journalist that covers a quarter chancery to draft an amendment to their amendments to they basically were saying right now, if we, if there's an issue with a company and they need to like issue new shares, it's really hard to get a quorum and get people on board to vote. So we shouldn't have to do that. We should be able to just make the changes. <laughs> um, another anti-democratic principle. And so we worked together on that. And in the process of trying to bring that amendment forward, I, I kind of was slapped in the face with just how strong a grip they have on the legislature in Delaware. I think I got like eight people to vote for it <laughs> um, after like a heated back and forth in caucus, a heated back and forth on the floor. And, and like the Republican Party, they just all voted for it. No, you know, not my amendment, just vote for whatever the corporation law council wants us to do. No questions asked. Um, the one win, the little bit of <laughs> the little bit of positivity here is that because of that conversation, they agreed to give us the bill in advance of just like the last week of session. So now we can actually look it over and ask questions. And um, so this week they sent us uh, an agenda for the information session regarding Delaware business entities. And I just wanted to share with you guys some of the agenda items because I think it speaks <laughs> speaks really well to the issue. They're like, in response to multiple legislators asking for more input, um, we're having this meeting. Here are some of the agenda items. Importance of business entities to Delaware. Business entity law is vital to the Delaware economy. That's a sub bullet for some reason. <laughs> Historical perspective. How did we get here? And, um, the role of the bar and the council related to proposed legislation, history of the council and its role with Delaware entity law, where I'm assuming they're going to bring us all in and tell us, you know, our role is to tell you what to do and your role is to vote yes. <laughs> Sounds about right. And like, I, I guess like another feature of the court of chancery is because of its like ancient status, there are no juries. This Correct. is only a panel of judges. So it's a very kind of streamlined uh, judicial yeah. apparatus. Yeah. yeah. That's that's fair to add. Yeah, I, I kind of dwell on the terrible parts about it. But that is another draw is um, they work like they might even work through the weekend. They, they give you really quick turnarounds with decisions. So that is another draw. 
But, I'm sorry, I, mean, I was biased. To, to, re- to return to the uh, to the, the the EU Commission and like the meeting that that you sat in on as it relates to like the Panama Papers, like why were they so concerned about Delaware banking law as it relates to something like uh, tax shelters and you know like uh, crooked corporate you know like illegal fraud essentially? Yeah, so so that was specific to the LLCs because when you you can set up an LLC in Delaware like within a couple hours you have enough money and it's it's not very expensive it's a couple hundred dollars you don't have to put your name on it you can have a registered agent put their name on it and so a lot of the llc's that are incorporated here we have no idea who owns them and we only find out that there's some kind of nefarious stuff at play when it hits like it gets investigated somehow and they you know they didn't cover their tracks all the way and at that time they had found that there were like drug traffickers, human traffickers that were using LLCs in Delaware to launder their money, basically. And actually, similar cases came to national news through Trump. I think the LLC that was used to pay Stormy Daniels off was a, was an LLC in Delaware. Um, what was the like, name of the LLC? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Wild card productions. <laughs> yeah, so... That, that's a big part of it. It's just they wanted they wanted and and other folks, you know, U.S. Congress people over the past decades have asked, hey, when somebody says an LLC, can you actually make them say who it, is, who it belongs to and like keep that information on on track? And and there was a lot of um, pushback to that from people like Joe Biden, who said, no, 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 because if we start asking questions, they're going to go somewhere else. And we could never have, you know, Grandma Gertrude pay taxes to fund the government that would be that would be mean <laughs> i mean i guess like a question is like you know like as, as a democratic politician you know like uh, an elected representative is it harder to get the democratic party to be critical of israel or to be critical of uh, llc's and uh, cor- corporate charters that is a great question i've been trying to get some of my colleagues to sign on to a letter and i think after it's been maybe three weeks of trying to do this and i'm up to eight so that's really close to as many people as I got to vote for that <laughs> the, the, the bill. <laughs> so, so it's about at the same level. <laughs> yeah. I will say, though, I only had like a couple hours of caucus conversations to get Democrats on board with me. So if I had had three weeks, maybe I would have gotten more folks to, to vote against uh, the corporate law council. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, I guess like in, in a certain sense, I guess like the, the first one is a little bit easier because everybody like sees it and understands it. Whereas the court of chancery is like, uh, this is lore, you, you know, like it's a, this is banking law and tax law is like in, just inscrutable to any, any regular person. So it's like, I guess harder. I mean, like even if the Democrats are equally disinclined to move in the right direction on it, at least like people understand, I think Israel, Palestine in a way that they don't like, you know, yeah, corporate, uh, Corporate, uh, yeah, finance which honestly, and tax law. that's what makes it all the more depressing. I think um, I didn't expect many votes earlier this year because it was so jargony. Like I spent hours with Chance trying to figure out, like, how do I even say this properly? Let alone how do I communicate it to my colleagues? But you know, it's really depressing seeing folks that I work with who you know, say that they care about social justice or they care about Black Lives Matter or whatever, you know, issue, be like, yeah, well, actually, mm, Hamas did, you know, and it's like, what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's really, really bizarre. And like, I, you know, I've been trying to be very polite and, you know, not 
publicly bash Delaware's boy, our president. But after reaching out to, you know, folks in, in Biden land who I thought I had a good relationship with about the situation in Palestine and getting like no response at all, I was like, yeah, no, I'm I'm going public, baby. I'm going public. Yeah. <laughs> what is your sense as someone who like, you know, is a member of the Democratic Party? Um, you know, you you have a lot of experience with these people like obviously they know that like the overwhelming majority of people want a ceasefire. There's a clear majority of people who are against sending uh, more military to Israel is, is their dismissal of it? Is it like, Oh, well like this is mostly young voters who gives a shit or do they see this as like an actual problem now that it's sort of, um, tanked biden very badly in the polls i haven't heard any change since the polls have come out but um i think most people that i work with are banking on the fact that they think their constituents don't pay attention to this kind of stuff and then also we're state legislators so they're like that's not even my purview so i don't need to make a statement on it which i think is really disappointing because i think i think it says a lot to someone in power when people who are also elected officials represent their constituents and and raise their voices, which is why I've been so vocal about it, because I represent, you know, 25,000 people or so here in this this district. But I also am the only Muslim in our General Assembly. So I kind of de facto represent all the Muslims in the state. And they're very upset and they're very frustrated and they don't want to vote for Biden. I don't want to vote for Biden. So I mean, I think the very least we could do is tell them <laughs> what our terms are kind of right. And like hope that mm-hmm. they change, but they're not, they're not. I mean, I've had so many folks not even respond to me. People that, that are mad because I tag them on posts and Instagram. Yeah. I'm tagging you. Yeah. I'm tagging you because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this year we elected our first female speaker. We have an all female leadership ticket uh, or team on this, on the democratic side in the house. And this all-female leadership team hasn't said anything about the thousands of women and children that have been murdered with our our money. So yeah, I'm tagging you. Hashtag girl boss. Tagging you. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's one, something I wanted to ask you about. Is like, I mean, you talked about like some of the uh, like the, the you know the the angry comments you get, but I mean, this is something I've been noticed from a lot of um, young politically minded Muslim Americans. Is that like prior to this you know massacre in Gaza? It was very uh, like it was a much touted fact of democratic politics to have like for instance someone like you representing the party, um, but when this is now sort of a, become a liability for them because I mean like I, what I'm seeing is that they like five years ago maybe they would have like couched it in like uh, you know like we should respect your voices and spaces kind of terms but now I really think that they have abandoned that and are just going full out with like the racism like oh, yeah. for like a, a Muslim like you know uh, being anti anti-israel or anti-american like i mean it's just like they're they're ready to really just shore off like any like non-white but especially muslim uh voice in the democratic coalition definitely yeah and and i think what's like it's clear what they're doing when they do it to jewish people i'm just like (laughs) like really the jewish girl who spoke at the rally is anti-semitic really like yeah (laughs) maybe like work on that maybe work on that argument um, but yeah, I'm getting that a lot. And what's like particularly frustrating for me is like 
some of the folks who were like stand with Israel, I know are anti-Semitic. Like, <laughs> like they've said, <laughs> yeah. like, like you I mean, know that, that who is, you that are. That is a feature of, of of hardcore Israel support in America. If you are not Jewish, is um, <laughs> rabid yeah, anti-Semitism. Like, this person is not even like this person. I'm talking about the speaker, by the way. I'm just gonna say it. The speaker of the house. I'm sitting with her. She's like, she starts going into this. Um, all Jews are a cult kind of thing. And I was just like, whoa, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, and like, I don't even know. Like she, she maybe didn't even know what Palestine was. Like she probably thought it was the same as Pakistan before all this happened. <laughs> how did, how, how did she like a, a cult? Like how did she? So, <laughs> so, so we, we're in the middle of our um, governor or gubernatorial race. And I won't even get into the craziness of that. Cause that's super Delaware too. But um, our current lieutenant governor is running and our county executive in the largest county is running. The county executive is Jewish and she's, she, I guess she was trying to get me to back her candidate. And she's like, well, you know, he's, he's backed by Republicans. Right. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, the guy who used to own happy Harry's. Yeah. Like, well, but Jews, you know, Jews are a cult in Delaware. They, they all, and I was like, whoa, 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 lady. Like, <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. Justin, Del- I I thought this is going to be really. I don't bad, know if it like, was, ju- but like Justin Delaware, I shut it down. I <laughs> I was. I mean, and, like, like honestly, I-, I wish I had just let her go and like surreptitiously recorded. But yeah, I I don't know. I thought that she meant like all Jews everywhere are part of the I same mean, cult. But like, if, if that's how I understood means- it, Felix. <laughs> I took it to I mean, be very. I was like, "Oh, this is that stereotype I've heard about in like books <laughs> when people are like <laughs> Jews control the world or whatever." Uh, like, uh, check 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 that out in Dream Hoarders, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. No, that like um. I mean, she knows more about Delaware than I do. <laughs> maybe maybe that's true in Delaware. Who am I to say? I mean, I will say. It's probably true of all ethnic groups that are underrepresented, uh, underrepresented in Delaware that we we tend to stick together when we get our candidate. We vote like I had Republicans vote for me because they were like, she's Muslim. We need more Muslims in office. Like, so, you know, sorry. Sorry to tell you that, but <laughs> we're all sticking together out here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, the Muslim vote in America used to be a reliably Republican voting block until 9-11 and the war on terror and like the until the Republican Party became overwhelmingly associated with like anti-Muslim bigotry and the war on terror. Yes. But and like and the Democrats are happy to uh, happy to promote it that, you know, we're the party of tolerance. But like anytime I see any news article about how forget young or old that like Arab or Arab and Muslim American voters are, are simply not coming back to vote for Joe Biden. And I see like all the responses are just thinly veiled threats to um, deport all Muslims uh, should yeah. they fail to vote for Joe Biden. They're like the, the Trump will do Trump will do what all these people secretly want to be done, which is just to like, you know, exile inconvenient voting uh, demographics from the uh, American body politic. Yeah. I'm sorry to disappoint them because uh, I'm black, so <laughs> nowhere to send me, but maybe, maybe Georgia. I don't know. <laughs> Atlanta. Yeah. No, that's I, I know they're nice. just like, God. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, like my favorite comeback is just to be like, yeah, my grandpa was in World War II, so uh, this is my country. <laughs> this is my country. <laughs> yeah. But I guess uh, returning to 
uh, the state of Delaware writ large. I mean, another thing I wanted to mention is that you talked about how your dad worked for DuPont and your house is right by DuPont Highway. Could you just give like a, a brief primer on the history of the DuPont family in the state of Delaware? Because, I mean, we know the story about uh, killing the Olympic wrestler, but like that's probably the lighter side of the DuPont's family and their legacy in, in the state of Delaware. Yeah, I mean, DuPont's. I'm not, I'm not a historian on them particularly, but I mean, they did poison a lot of our water and soil and we have a lot of cancer clusters because of that. They also, I mean, you know, Muslims, Muslims marry cousins too. And I know West Virginia guys do it too, but like they did a lot of cousin marrying. And so they had some issues from that. Um, you know, no judgment for me. That's just a fact. Um, <laughs> you know, they also built schools and like highways and stuff, but yeah, I mean, they're definitely still around and there's a couple of them that are like, like kind of like Republican, it's like they, they're trying to like create the next generation of Republican leadership. So they have like little like training <laughs> programs and stuff like that. But I mean, I think there are a lot of really interesting Delaware characters. And uh, if you guys are open to it, I would love to share a couple yeah, with please. you. Okay. So one of our favorites is our former auditor of accounts. Um, you may be familiar with the role of an auditor, someone who's supposed to um, you know, make sure state funds are being used properly and not not committing crimes with finances and stuff. Well, um, plot twist, uh, <laughs> she did that. <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> yeah, so her name's Kathy McGinnis. She was a pharmacist before running for office. Um, and when she won the auditor uh, election, she would go around and talk about how she was the highest elected pharmacist in the country. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's great. She also like had a terrible spelling problem and just would just spell things terribly all over. Um, we're convinced she didn't really know what the role was. She just knew it was a statewide elected position and she wanted to run for higher office. So um, so she she's elected within a few years, about half of her staff became whistleblowers, which is a really high statistic <laughs> for whistleblowers. Usually it only takes one. <laughs> You're yeah. looking for one whistleblower. It was like one and two in that yeah. office were whistleblowers. Um, before all that, I, I called her uh, as a candidate trying to fundraise for my campaign. And in that conversation, she told me that <laughs> in her trips up and down the state, she had totaled like three cars hitting deer. <laughs> That's Was she trying to hit deer? <laughs> <laughs> I think she was just driving with her lights off. I don't know. Um <laughs> She's an interesting one. She got her start down at the beaches on like like a commission or whatever, like a city council type thing, trying to help LLCs vote, you know, so real, real good Delaware start when when her case is, is in court about the financial crimes and everything. And it's all in the news. Her mom, who was in her 80s, would cyber bully people. She cyber bullied a friend of mine and was like, that lipstick shade is not flattering. Um, <laughs> just like. Just like some fun stuff. Other characters are the current mayor of the largest city, Wilmington, is named Mike Perzicki. Yes, you heard that. There's an icky in there. He's an icky guy. And he just recently announced he's retiring. He's not going to run for another term. Uh, and so our current governor, who was our congressman, is going to run for mayor. So that's a very Delaware thing, too, to just like run for Going anything. From Congress to mayor? Yeah. Congress to governor to mayor. He'll probably run for like school board after that. 
So he just he's just happy to be in politics. He <laughs> he's just happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. No lateral moves. Uh, yeah. And like I just wanted to share this quote with you guys because the mayor, when he announced he was not running for another term, he was quoted as saying, My difficulty in committing to another term that would begin fifteen months from now is in continuing to undertake such a demanding job at the age of seventy eight. While my health is generally good, I am for the first time in my life aware of my age. True, I can take some time away from the job. But people should understand that the job of mayor never lets you go. Meanwhile, it's our I mean, is president's this, is this, birthday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah is, uh, this has got to be some kind of uh, stab in the back for uh, Joe Biden, right? I mean, like uh, saying that 78 is too old to be mayor of Wilmington. <laughs> I don't think even I think if anybody were to point it out to him, he'd be like, retract my statement because no one would dare disrespect. I'll just share one more character with you guys. When I was first elected. There was this guy in office who'd been in there for a while, and he I actually filed an ethics complaint about, against him because he sent an email to someone where he referred to women being human trafficked as the C word, not the one for uh, women you don't like, but the one for people from Asia. Um, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> I, I did yeah. not. I, yeah. I did not see where that was Damn. going. Real, real Archie Christ. Bunker-esque vibes there. I mean, and, talk uh, about talk about pulling a slur out of the Disney vault. <laughs> He's probably the first elected official in like 20 years to bust that one out. Yeah, well, he, he busted that one out and then he paired it with the word broad. Um, <laughs> so, and this yeah. Is, once again, this was in the context of human trafficking. Yeah, yeah this, was, okay. yeah. this was in response to like an email about human trafficking like measures. And he was like, are you saying that if we did X, Y and Z? That would have that would take care of the sea broads, and so I so yeah so I what did I filed he mean? <laughs> I cannot even pretend to understand where his mind was, and I'll give you an example as to why. When I was on staff, one day I'm sitting in the lunchroom, and my coworker comes in frantic because this representative that he worked for um, was it was in some real real trouble, right? And so our chief of staff had to go in and, and like figure out how to calm everything down. What happened was he went to like, he had a, a community event coming up and somebody donated like a bunch of chips, like a bunch of little like snack size chips. And he looked at those chips and he was like, these chips are great, but they're all plain. Why not get some variety? So he went to his local convenience store and just starts swapping out chips. He's swapping out original for barbecue, he's swapping out original for sour Wait, cream. Wait, so were, were, were the chips originally purchased from this location, or was he no. just he was just swapping <laughs> the same no. kind of? I mean, you know what? You know what? I, I I will defend this. You know, like no harm, no foul. If if he's replacing the exact same brand of See, chips, yeah, you might you <laughs> might want to do that. But the guy who was in charge of stocking those shelves was indignant. The people, the people this... who want to go to that gas station, they probably want salt and vinegar or sour cream. Yeah, they leaving... come there and it just all lays ruffles. Exactly. Or, it's original. All yeah. original. Like in our area, it's hers. Like we love our yeah. hers. Potato chips. Hers. And okay, so, yeah. <laughs> so he's like, he's swapping them out. The guy's freaking out. He's like, I don't understand what the problem is. I took 50 chips. I gave you 50 chips. It's the same brand. And so our chief of staff goes down there and he's like, dude, you can't do that. And he's like, what? We used to do it all the time on base. Did that? Did did this go to chancery court? <laughs> did, Ch did chancery court like do they have a precedent on like exchanging chips of equal monetary value? That I don't know, but that is the kind of case that would go there. 
They're relying on the precedent established by um, Utz v. Virginia in uh, 1976, where <laughs> the Utz Corporation was able to impose a penalty of death on someone who stole crab chips from them. <laughs> Did he mean on base? Like he he said he meant it, like works that way in the military. I I guess I guess. I don't know. This is the same guy who would like pull a peanut butter and jelly sandwich out of his pocket and be like, you want one? So <laughs> rat, what, like in a plastic bag or just like just naked, just loose, just, just loose. a loose, just loose sandwich. Sandwiches. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> but like, look, the Delaware, the Delaware General Assembly is a wild place. Like the Senate, they try to act like they're the higher chamber. The Senate, just dogs, just loose dogs everywhere. And I know. I know white people, you guys love your dogs, but yes, do you sir. have to let the dog take a dump in the middle of the people's house? So you, so you mean that literally? You mean oh, that literally? I mean that literally. It's, like, it's like hotel for dogs. Literally. Like, and they're, and they're just shitting their dogs all over the in. place? Yeah, they'll just take dumps oh anywhere. My God. And like <laughs> one, one senator who used to have a dog that he would bring in named Hillary, which okay. you can figure out why she would yeah. name that. Yeah, all right. Um, he was a Democrat. Um <laughs> This is this is no lie. Like at one point there was uh, we had a um intern who had special needs who would like help us with work and stuff and she had like a kitty like playpen kind of fence around her desk because she was afraid of dogs. And that's just how frequently dogs would be in there. They were like, All right, we're gonna put you away so that the dog can run free. <laughs> well Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. There's nothing white people like more than uh, really poorly behaved dogs, and you know that's that's another thing that Joe Biden shares in common with the mainstream of America is dogs that bite people. Yeah, I just I love the the dog names. I don't know if you guys have talked about that, but like Commander the, Navy. Yeah, the yeah. Bidens love like when I worked at the institute, his sister Valerie got a dog and she named it Chief, and I'm just like, okay, you guys like how many like army terms and like military ranks are you going to name your dogs like they've got they've got champ they've got commander they've got chief they've got obergruppenfuhrer like how many <laughs> <laughs> well they are german shepherds uh, oh man uh, uh actually uh one more one more delaware weirdo that i, I wonder your thoughts on uh the the failed senate campaign of lauren witzke and the fact that she is going to be running again uh for another i mean again i guess in delaware it's like you just keep going until you hit you know a, a wilmington uh treasurer or something like that <laughs> but lauren witzke she was like uh, like I don't know if people remember this, but this was like a Senate campaign run exclusively to gain the attention and favor of Nick Fuentes. Wow. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. But yeah, no, she's a, she, she's a real beaut. Um, she says, uh, Whiskey's Senate, Senate campaign was endorsed by white nationalist Nick Fuentes, who had, who had marched into the August 2017 white nationalist rally in Charlottesville. Whiskey accepted Fuentes' endorsement with a response of, thank you, Nick. And then in 2023, said America needs a strong leader that would make even the most infamous fascist blush. I mean, those are great quotes, but I wish I had the actual quote. I'm going to paraphrase for you guys. Um, <laughs> she was talking about how like women, like our our whole thing as women is we should be having children. And um, so in one of her like tweets, she was talking about how she knows it's not ideal that she doesn't have children, but she she oh, intends okay. to have many, many and quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like TikTok, how lady. How deranged are you? Yeah. 
another mom for liberty. And in regards to women voting, you know, that was the worst thing that ever happened to America, too. Look at us now. Women overwhelmingly vote um, on their emotions. Women used to vote. Uh, they used to not vote because their husband would make the choice for them. Now, if just our husbands and landowners were voting, we'd be in a much better place than we are now. We'd have. I guess uh, I, I did want to touch on a bit of international news um, as, as we round out this episode. I, I just like I feel it behooves me to mention that 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 guy in Argentina is now president, uh, Javier Milei, and uh, yeah. I, I don't know if uh, he's. I mean, like, basically, I've, I've seen more of this guy's face over the last 48 hours on social media than just about anyone else. And the best way I could describe it is someone described him as he has the face of someone who would be cast as Van Helsing in like a 1970s Hammer horror film. But like this guy is like, I don't know, self-described anarcho-capitalist who like basically he's a, a based populist who's going to pauperize his nation uh, at the bequest of, you know, international bankers. But like. I don't know, like Felix. I know you, you you made a similar comment, but this guy seems to be like even more mentally unstable than Bolsonaro, and I expect his his administration will be <laughs> marked by similar histrionics. Bolsonaro is like Xi Jinping compared to him. Like he's, <laughs> I don't know. Like it's gonna look. I don't want to diminish. Like it's it's definitely gonna suck. You know, I just did an interview. Um, a very Argentina focused interview that's going to come out in the coming uh, next two weeks sometime. And like, yeah, no, this guy will definitely um, be horrible, but I don't, uh, he had like a severe mental breakdown when he was on TV. And I just, it's like, look, he's going to be bad. He, um, says that he communicates with the spirits of his deceased dogs that he cloned he might be doing incest we don't know i mean the but first lady it, of argentina is now his sister yeah well it, is that confirmed i, I thought I mean, he just I, joked about that okay no well, i don't know i mean is, is he married no okay so well then i guess she, she is the, the first sister yeah but um you know bolsonaro eventually um went away this guy will too you know they had like 133% inflation. Like they were going to experience a change of some kind, you know, like uh, we can talk about how they got there, but you know, something bad was going to happen. And this is the bad thing. He might be the first like major world leader in centuries to like kill himself while in office. Oh my God. Well, we, one can only uh, speculate, but uh, Medina, before, before we, before we let you go, like, I know we, we've, We've we've sort of shit on Delaware uh, this episode, but like you know, like I give you the, I would like to give you the opportunity to like talk up the the positive aspects about Delaware because like it, it is a, it is like a, a forgot it is sort of the forgotten state. But I was just wondering, what is like the Delaware attitude or personality or like what what do you associate with like the Delaware you grew up in? Mm, I mean, I can tell you about myself. I think I'm very Delaware. Like I I liked the Free U Two album. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was thought that was nice. I thought the songs were good. Um, you know, I don't iron my bed sheets. Like I'm normal in that sense. Um, I just I don't know. I feel like we're very like down to earth. We like chicken and dumplings. It's like a Delaware thing. You know, normal people. The beaches are nice. They're not like Caribbean nice. Like you can't see your feet in the water, but like 
it's a nice time. It's tax free. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, we talked about our like financial situation, but like we don't have sales tax. So, you know, we probably should. <laughs> but until then, come buy stuff here. <laughs> We've got all the stores and you can, you know, get it tax free. You know, our our president is from here. I probably shouldn't have added that part. That's a bad thing about Delaware. Um, I mean, I'll share like a couple weeks ago, we had a protest to Biden's Delaware house and we had close to 2000 people show up. So we're not all terrible people here. I think most people in most parts of the country are like good people. And like if they if you ask them like, hey, should we bomb UNRWA schools and like churches? They'd be like, no. And I think, you know, that's I think you say the same thing about Delawareans. Like most of us just want to live our lives in safety and we care about our neighbors and just don't Joe Biden is not, (laughs) he does not represent us. (laughs) So, you know, I'll just say that. Um, I will, I do want to add though, this is like, this is exciting. Um, Before all of this, I was invited to go to the white house and I went and I got a shout out because I was like the only Delawarean there. And, um, in the shout out, he starts to talk about how he was the only senator from Delaware because he misspoke. So if you look me up, like I'm listed in the the famous list of gaffes. Like that's <laughs> that's a big deal. <laughs> that's my claim to fame. <laughs> you've, you've you've entered the history of Biden bungles. Yeah, I'll be in the presidential library for that. <laughs> <Yes. I'm... laughs> uh, under under uh, we, we, under M W or A though. Where would they file you? Um or under w, G probably. for gas. <laughs> <laughs> M for Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, yeah, uh, that Muslim girl used to work for us. <laughs> the one who went on the internet and talked trash. <laughs> <laughs> well, Medina Wilson Anton, I should say Representative Medina Wilson Anton, I want to thank you so much for your time and coming on the show today and to uh, wish you the best of luck um, trying to talk some sense into our president and the uh, rest of the Democratic Party leadership. Thank you. I'll try my best and shout out to Mr. Hawk. (laughs) Mr. Hawk? (laughs) Mr. Hawk is another longtime listener, friend of of mine. Her, Her dad's a big fan, so I just wanted to make sure that I said hey to him. Okay. Mr. Is, is there a Mrs. Hawk? That's what I want to know. There is. She's okay. not a fan. <laughs> oh. All right. All right. Never uh, mind. Shout out Just... for her. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. Forget about her. Mr. Yeah, no, Hawk I mean, she's only. great. She's great. She but Mr. Hawk. Christmas card. Yeah. Be careful. I know you're probably on like the elliptical right now. You're probably really hype. Um, Just be careful. Be safe. <laughs> well, once again, Representative Medina Wilson Anton, thank you so much for your time. Bye bye, everybody. Bye.